Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U, where there are no degrees because the learning never stops. I'm Dove, a TA here at Gooner U, and my friend Keith is our stalwart, distinguished professor of Arsenal and football studies. This week featured a battle at the top of the table at Liverpool. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. How are how is the weather in New York? Is it is it properly is it properly Christmas? Well, my my phone was telling me that it was going to be like flurrying today, but no, <laughs> it's cold. It's cold enough to support <laughs> at least a downfall, if not accumulation. But uh, okay. yeah, let's uh, wish uh, you and our listeners a Merry Christmas. A little holiday bonus. This episode is coming out earlier due to holiday schedules for for you and myself. So um, this should be dropping either New Year's Eve or or not not New Year's. <laughs> that would be late. Uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas mm-hmm. Day, one or the other. And so, uh, yeah, uh, that means it'll be a little bit longer until the next episode, but that's okay. We'll f- figure that out when it comes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, one one quick thing I wanted to check with you on before we get to the Liverpool match is I saw an announcement somewhere or other about MLS having a draft and I'm just wondering how that works. Like it makes sense in a closed system. Like we've talked about, like with the NFL, there's one league where players are going to go to. And so there's a way to charitable equitably distribute those players, right. In a way that is agreed upon by the league to be fair and make sense in MLS. I don't understand how that could work because presumably whatever, let's imagine that they're American players, they can go anywhere in the world. What what do they need to do to even enter into an MLS draft? So enlighten me. What's what's going on? <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of the, a bunch of them actually aren't Americans. A lot of them are American college players. Okay. Um, what it is is they are in many cases. What what's happening is the league is drafting their rights. Now we say this: if you're a player, well, first off, if you're a player who has a real international opportunity, you're probably not going to play college. At least okay. someone who has has that real opportunity at, at the at the age of eighteen, there are college players who have since gone on to European and other major leagues. Some of them much later in their careers. Clint Dempsey okay. is, is the most famous of them. He played. I uh, went to Furman in South Carolina, and hmm. wound up obviously with the U.S. national team, and then into into the Premier League, um, and then back to MLS. But you don't see. It, it, it's it's one of those weird residual things left over from being an American sports league. But in general, right. what happens is that you're drafted and the team gets your the players' rights. So if they end up signing a contract, and this is kind of the intricacies of MLS, there is just the single entity league. Technically, when you sign a contract, you don't sign a contract with the club. You sign it with the league, and you're mm. allocated to that, to that club. Now... In this case, basically what the league is deciding is that if and when you do sign with MLS, and a lot of these guys, frankly, aren't going to make it in MLS. They're, they usually will wind up in reserve teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you end up in MLS, this is the team that owns your rights, and this is who you will play for. Interesting. Okay. Unless those get traded in some other arcane salary rule uh, or you know CBA rule that exists in MLS. But yeah, it's 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 a weird residual. It had a big was a bigger deal earlier in the league, but now there are clubs have their own academies. There's so many ways for players to get into the into MLS that the draft is kind of a weird has a weird residual. There's a handful of players every year that that end up in the league or you know it, you can trace their you know wind up coming up through the academy side that can trace their. Uh, you know, the club acquired them through the draft, but most of them, you know, it's, it's, it's not as if say in the NFL draft, the top, not only are the top players going to that team, they're going to start right away. That right. really happens at this level. Yeah. 
But that yes, it sense. is very it is very weird. <laughs> it's yeah. just a weird American <laughs> quirk. Yeah. Yeah, so um they go straight to the main team, not the MLS like Pro Next or whatever their well, like, lower down division is. Yeah, that's well, that's kind. Of, they do actually end up in the in the developmental league, and a okay. lot of it just stems from where they are on the roster. I mean, they, there are some that might make the team right straight away, but yeah. probably as probably as reserves. And once you get past that first round, you know, you're not really dealing with guys who are going to play right away or play play in MLS probably but then again the, even in some ways it's a little bit more like a like a draft in baseball where you're not going to see them play for a couple of years and so where they get you know first second third round almost doesn't really matter right well, i guess it's like that team kind of has the rights to them for a certain amount of time so yeah. right and okay. and most and most of your you know they can be nice complementary pieces and if you read the analysis that pops up I mean a lot of the best analysis of the draft comes straight from MLS website um, <laughs> but you know and but you know they'll they'll remind you of all the players you know there are good players that come out of the draft and they're not wrong but that's not where a lot of them come from <laughs> yeah but you know t- good t- good teams are built from players from all you know cutting every improving your and this is true across sports. Good teams are built by acquiring players from a variety of avenues. There's no one right one right way to mm-hmm. build a, a, a championship caliber team. Right. Actually, along those lines, I saw something. It was probably on uh, Arsenal's Twitter feed or something, but I guess they brought in a new recruiter from mm. some big team. I can't remember which at the time uh, right now. But it was like Real Madrid or Barcelona or something. They yes. brought in some big name. Yeah, so it was a guy who was, I want say, I mean, not Xavier, it's probably on Xavier or something, but Xavier. he's, I believe, <laughs> yes, I, I, I think it's the same thing. I skimmed through the story. I've been, I've been right. holiday traveling, so I haven't oh, really yeah. read as much as, you know, <laughs> typically I would want to or would usually be able to, but uh, that's fine. They're only, they're only writing more pieces these days because everybody's hanging out. And it's the end of the year and getting oh, sure. perspectives, but it's fine. I'm, you know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> speaking of which, by the way, so I know that one of your favorite news sources is the athletic um, for sports news. Um, one thing that's really interesting is so, um, Apple has a service called Apple News Plus. So this is a way in Apple's news app to get access to other subscriptions that would usually be behind a paywall. So the Wall Street Journal, for instance, and certain other like, uh, I don't know, not not Variety, uh, Vanity Fair, like um, Wired. There's certain publications that have deals with Apple so you can read them in the Apple News app. If you have Apple News Plus now... That's never been appealing to me as a standalone subscription, but it turns out I have the Apple One subscription, which is like, give me all of Apple stuff, like everything that you can subscribe to with Apple. And that's how I get Apple TV Plus and all the other Apple things that I do. Um, so yeah, The Athletic is coming to Apple News, which is notable largely because I didn't realize this, but I guess The Athletic is a subsidiary of The New York Times, or is run by The New York Times. I'll, I'll try not to hold that against them. Uh, but, um, so they and the wire cutter and the wire cutter is a site that I've used since long before they were acquired by the New York times. Um, I guess they're coming to Apple news also. So that I'll uh, have a link in the show notes. I don't remember the date that that's effective, but not yet. I tried. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that'll mean people who have that subscription don't need to try to get around the paywall. Like we've uh, discussed before <laughs> with the athletics So they'll <laughs> official access to it. Legitimate access. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, 
Today is December 23rd. We are recording the same day as Arsenal's only match this week. They went to Anfield. They played against Liverpool, played them to a standstill. <laughs> and uh, it was it was it was quite a match. It was uh more exciting than a 1-1 draw might otherwise sound to watch. Well, I mean, you say that, but hope, I hope hope at this stage that you're developed enough as a connoisseur of the sport to understand that, you know, just because there aren't goals doesn't mean there can't be a lot of action or a lot oh, yeah. of excitement. Yeah. You know, I, I say this as a as someone who played defense a lot. It, you know, stopping goals is sexy, too. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, the thing is, I mean, I guess what I'm comparing it to is like we hear about a 4-4 draw against Manchester City and you're like, oh, my God, that must have been crazy, right? Mm-hmm. A 1-1 draw doesn't necessarily prick your eyebrows up the same way at first, Right. Yeah. But but it was it was it was a, it was an interesting game to watch. It was two really strong sides coming against each other and and playing like it. I mean, they, yeah. they came in first and third. Uh, Arsenal was still in first because Aston Villa unexpectedly drew yesterday. Uh, oh, yesterday okay. And Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Wait. I think it was no Friday. Sorry. I don't know. What that, <laughs> look, I'm, on, I'm on vacation. By the way, I'm I'm not going to go to the exact location I am, but there is a beach nearby, so I'm nice. Not, I'm not on the beach, but I'm not not beach, on the beach. beach adjacent. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I'm not not there. Um, but I mean, this is in some ways, in some ways, exactly the kind of game that you would want to see between two title contending sides. And you know, they, a lot of the comparisons made during it during the broadcast to Liverpool's previous game at home, which was the the nil nil draw with with Manchester United, where they they outshot United, they edged United in shots thirty four six. You know, and essentially it ends It ends as a draw in a game where United was essentially hanging on for dear life. Flash forward to this one. This game ends 1-1, also a draw, but a game that was, statistically speaking, very much on the knife edge. And some, oh, yeah. I saw a rundown of some of the statistics, almost virtually even across the board. Passes, yep. shots, possession. Shots on goal, every, yeah, every, yeah. Every, and it was, it was all very close. And, you know, in some ways it's, you know... It, as someone with a rooting interest, obviously we we wanted the game to go to certain a certain way, or would want certain things. You know, in a vacuum, one one at Anfield makes me happy. I, mm-hmm. I'm not good. I'm 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 content to come out of the game with this result. Um, but it, there are a few moments where you thought, oh, we almost if we could just if we. And there were a handful of moments. Liverpool will feel exactly the same way. I mean, these exactly are two, right. Two two very good teams. <laughs> um, you know, that with a, a step or two in one direction or another may have come away with three points. A three, And not so much that they wouldn't have deserved the three points, but coming away with zero might have been a bit of a harsh result. It's, it was a, you know, is the, 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 you know, all the league, the, the league leadership is high-fiving themselves for the early Christmas present line uh, that they're going to be <laughs> able to give with the result. It, not just the result, but also just the, just the game itself. So a good game between two teams that are, I, they're, they're, they're top of the league right now, first and mm-hmm. second. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I know the the one really big thing that we're going to have to talk about is definitely the Saka hair color change. I think we can't go the entire episode without <laughs> discussing that in great detail. At first, I thought it was just a reflection off the lights, and then I got into the looks at, no, that's that's a choice. That is a choice. I mean, you know. It's, it must be a right side thing. Uh, <laughs> it's spreading from the defense to the forwards. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, as long as he doesn't go, you know, quite the frosted tips like 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 Ben White did. That was uh, 
So unfortunate. It's unfortunate high school flashbacks on that one. Not for either of us necessarily, <laughs> but you know, just just the environment. You, you know what I'm talking about. We avoided that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So the the first half. I mean, we came out the gate swinging hard. Like in that mm-hmm. first minute, we had a really close call that resulted in a corner kick that was another close call. And then scored just a few minutes later. I mean, we really came out pushing really hard. And I think the first 10 minutes or so, 10 to 15 even, were really strong for us. And it's like we kind of ran out of steam after that. And I think Arsenal kind of, or not, Liverpool kind of caught up and drew even with us and maybe edged us out a little bit in ferocity by the end of the first half, right? Yeah, I think that's about right. I think we were we were the stronger team in the early going, and and I saw somewhere you know fans analysis it, 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 sort of they said there really there are two ways a game could have played out. One is a game that's much more in control. Arsenal likes to play with control. We have the ball. We dictate what's happening. There's you know movement on our terms. Maybe there's a break the other way, but generally speaking, we do a good job getting back. You know, reasserting control, even giving up a shot. It, you know, it's not necessarily a quality one. You saw that a lot against Brighton. Mm-hmm. The other option is chaos and a game where a lot of crazy things will happen, and that's a game Liverpool wants to play. They are they are they're a team that thrives on that, especially at home, thrives on that kind of that kind of energy. It's the way Klopp wants them to play. It's how they how they do what they do, and and we saw some moments there where we lost that control, and that's again that's a it's a very weird game because we've talked about in most games Arsenal, and I imagine Liverpool feels this way a little bit too. In most games we play, Arsenal is clearly the better team and the other team is, is sort of hanging on and, and with Liverpool for, and for both of us in this game, we're facing someone who's not only willing, but, but able to go for it. I mean, we saw, we saw in the champions league, right. To see PSV or Sevilla say, let's go for it. And they lose four nil. Liverpool's not going to lose four nil. Liverpool can go no. for it. Yeah. Um, in fact, in some ways they, Although the, we'll talk about their defense, but you know the the sort of line with Liverpool this year has been they're gonna the game's gonna end four three. It's just who's gonna get the four. <laughs> you score three, we'll score four. <laughs> you score four, we'll score five. And yeah. that's not a, defense is better than that. Um, and I thought particularly today, but I think it's it's a weird thing to say about such a wild game. I, I, I tend to agree with this. I think the four center backs are the ones who really deserve the plaudits. I thought they were. Their center backs are very good. Very annoying, but they were very good. But then again, mm. ours are pretty good too. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, you, you can't fault Salah. That shot that he took was perfect. Like it, it went exactly where it needed to and just was out of reach for everyone. I mean, I, if anything, maybe equal credit to Salah and Zinchenko. I think we're, we're seeing kind of <laughs> Zinchenko's lack of defensive chops there biting us again. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you're you're putting you're putting Zinchenko, who is admitted. I mean, I think it's fair to say, it, you know, for as much as we love Zinchenko and what he does, I think it's fair to say that if he was healthy, that's a game for Tomiyasu or Yuri and Timber, who are, to be blunt, better defenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Zinchenko's Zinchenko. You know, there are a lot of things he can do well, even can and has some solid moments defensively. But Mo Salah is one of the best in the world, period. Right. I mean, there are a lot of defenders he will make look silly. But, you know, you're, putting it, you're isolating on a situation. You're getting Zinchenko isolated with him. It, how much do we blame Gabriel for not helping? I don't know. It depends mm. on the 
certainly depends on, on tactically mm. how they're supposed to be setting up, but you know, it, it, it's a great finish. Um, oh yeah. yeah. You know, and, and a great, and a great player sets himself up, but yeah, you, you like, gosh, you'd like to see the defending be a little better there. It was not mm. however the worst defense we played all game, but we can get to that in the second half. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> we skipped, by the way, we just totally missed the part where we scored. You know, let's not forget that. <laughs> that's, my, that's my tendency is to focus on what anyone in any situation has done wrong more than what we've done right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, it was it was nice. It was uh, well... I, we, I mean, it's funny. We talk. Uh, we talked a lot last week about corner kicks and how we're top of the league for converting corner kicks. And it's, I think my dad caught, I was watching with him on the phone uh, during the match. And I think he noticed the on-screen graphic was showing, I guess we're tied for corner kicks now. Someone caught us this week. Mm. <laughs> we're tied for corner kicks in the league. But um, I think more broadly, this was another set piece goal, right? You had yeah. uh, Odegaard take the free kick and Gabriel headed it in and it was beautiful. It was, uh, it was another one where like he, he timed his run just, just right because definitely they were reviewing it. And if he had been like a fraction of an inch further forward, they probably would have called it back. But yeah, it was, it was Cody Gakpo who was just a little bit further back. Although it's interesting. They pointed this out a little later in the game, but if you watch it, the Arsenal players actually start. If you see the way they're lining up, the Arsenal players actually all start closer to the goal. Hmm. And then as the players come to the kick, they'll run back and then reverse direction forward. Um, it, it, does kind of, it does kind of d- d- unbalance the defenders because right. they're, they're trying, they're trying to set the line. Well, they're trying to do both. They're trying to set the line for the off, you know, for the offside. They'd love to get that trap, but you can't do it too much because all it takes is just one guy right. to be a little slow or to not recognize the shift. And all of a sudden, everybody's on side, and, and you get some free headers. And frankly, I think Arsenal has said, even if Gabriel hadn't gotten it, there were a couple other players who were free and open in that space. And, you know, Alisson is a very good keeper, and he just didn't even kind of... He could do better with that. He, yeah. He's going he's gonna to watch that tape afterwards and say, I should have I done better with that. And maybe that's right. Um, but mm-hmm. I thought that but overall was a really good play, and we've talked about that, like that Arsenal setting themselves up in set pieces. And, and and to do it to Liverpool, who I think was one of the pioneers in the, the set-piece coach, uh, right. to have someone who essentially draw those kinds of things up, and Arsenal continues to develop that part of their game. And, uh, you know, for years it was a weakness, and, and it has become, as you point out numbers-wise, it is a strength of this team. Yeah. So with what you're talking about with them starting off all basically in offside positions and moving back and then forward again, this is all before Odegaard's foot has connected with the ball, obviously, because otherwise they would have been stuck offside. So it's as he's like backing up and like raising his hand and getting ready to approach and kick. That's when they're, that's, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. There's a, there's a, right. There's a timing mechanism too. That's part of what they're practicing presumably is deciding, okay, when, when he, you know, what are his signals? I mean, Again, right. you see that sort of all the time they raise their hand. Right. I mean, a lot of that is a timing mechanism too. You know, they're they're not just you know, right? Question. They're they're. <laughs> I know the answer. There 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 is signaling involved in all of that, and so it's for them. Okay. They as the players as they practice as they know the timing that's supposed to be coming up there. Whereas for the defenders, of course, you're not really sure where they are, where they're going, and you know you you don't want to get yourself caught out. You know, the, again, all of these things we talk about the short corners. All these things are done then to unbalance the defense, make them move in different ways, or mm. do things that they make them see something either they don't expect, or perhaps make them think they see something that isn't actually there. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and that one, that one really 
really went well. <laughs> yeah. Really good one. Yeah, no, I'll have to, I'm going to be coaching you eight again in the spring. I'll have to work with uh, six and seven year olds on their timing of corner kick receives. receives <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Yeah, let's see how that goes. Uh, uh, so the first half also <laughs> had a collision with Saka that I don't think was ca- that one wasn't called the yellow card. And I'm pretty sure it may not have even been called a foul, but resulted in a broken clavicle taking mm. the player off the field for Liverpool. That was unfortunate. Yeah. I, so I did miss a chunk of the first half, including the solid goal, which I saw in the highlights. I saw a couple highlights of this one. It looked like not so much the collision, but the way he fell, and as they fell right. into him, basically rolled over underneath uh, Jurgen Klopp, who right. turned out to be fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, not that that would that I you know certainly see I, you know you watch, watch enough games. I mean, the coaches are standing right on the sidelines. Mm. Depending on the sports, they've they've you know been hurt by that sort of thing. Players yeah. running into them or cutting undercutting them. He was fine. His and jacket looked pretty poofy. I, I think uh, I think he was ready to <laughs> accept any. It's a, it's a good uh, the, the poofy the the good poofy winter coat, um, but. Uh, yeah, no, he, he, I, it's, it's unfortunate, um, but, um, you know, it's gotta be the way that he landed on the ground. Now, the, the commentators are pointing out too that he landed on the turf, not mm-hmm. on the grass. And right. so there's less cushion there where, yeah, if you land on your shoulder the wrong way, I, I have a broken clavicle on, on my uh, mm-hmm. shoulder from, uh, went down on a motorcycle, but, uh, yeah, like you just land on there and it isn't the giving surface and your clavicles are pretty skinny bones. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, um, you know, to everyone involved, obviously. But uh, you know, the, again, one of those injuries happen. These things happen. Um, but uh, and then, but then the yellows started to come out. Yeah, so I'm trying to remember. Like I, I'm seeing in my notes that Saka and Kai Havertz both got yellows before all was said and done. I kind of remember the Havertz one is just kind of being like, "Oh, really? You're going to yell for that?" He, he was like grabbing the guy a little bit, but. I don't know. It didn't seem that one didn't seem so bad. What was the soccer one for? Do you remember? The soccer one was that I missed. Unfortunately, okay. some of the Arsenal chatter was that it was soft. I I don't know. Uh, yeah. I didn't see. I didn't. You know, I really not not Arsene Wenger. I legitimately didn't see that part of the game, so I can't say. Um, I don't know. I I found. I, I, gosh, we're going to get into referee conversation again. I found the yellows inconsistent. The Havertz one I thought was I. I might have been soft, but I feel like I, I feel like at the time I understood it. Mm-hmm. This is what we get for doing this immediately afterwards. That I, <laughs> I haven't had a chance to review too many things. I don't remember. Right. I, I feel the, the frustrating about the Havertz one isn't the yellow card per se. It's the fact that this is his fifth yellow. He will be out for the West Ham game. Oh, I missed that. Oh, yeah. He was. He, he's, he was. We talked about. We talked about this. I think. Well, it must have been the week before. Um, he was on four yellows. He picked up his fifth before the midpoint of the season. Therefore, he will miss a game, um, which really, you know, we're just kind of thankful that he is going to miss West Ham and not in West Ham at home and not at Liverpool. Uh, right. Especially, and we are a little thin in the midfield right now, which is, um, I'd be curious to see what the lineup looks like against West Ham. Uh, maybe we get some Emil Smith Rowe. Just. Yeah, just a, just a thought. Just a thought. <laughs> well, with him, it's been mostly injury that's been keeping him off the pitch. I think so. Hopefully, yeah. well enough that he could. Yeah, I mean, he's oh, he's come on a little bit. He's definitely well, clean back and right? healthy. He hasn't yeah. played an entire half yet that I've seen. I don't think. No, but I think a lot of that stems not so much from anything he has done wrong. I think it's more of a case of the team overall has been playing well, and if you're Arteta, you don't want to. You're not going to make too many changes. That's the well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the, things yeah. are working. I mean, this was the same lineup that we saw against, um, you know, whoever Brighton uh, last week. Um, mm-hmm. 
So you're not generally, ideally, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last year, right? With with Arsenal starting so strongly, they kept rolling out the same lineup in part because, well, they keep winning. I mean, <laughs> it, w- w- why why change? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Uh, so um, we'll see. Um, our schedule is. We can talk. We'll talk about the schedule after the after the you know after we finish up on the game. I, but I, our schedule decision is congested this year. It doesn't feel as congested this year. I think because the holiday is right on the weekend. Yeah. Which does sort of make it feel a little bit more normal of of mm. a week, um, in terms of going through the festive period. But uh, sure. But yeah. But yeah. It's um. Yeah. Right, but well. yeah. Uh, yeah um, <laughs> sorry, I lost my I lost my train of thought a little bit on all that. But um, that's okay. But yes, Havertz will be out for the West Ham game, which is disappointing. But better that he misses West Ham than misses Liverpool. Well, it's it's also not entirely unsurprising. I mean, he. He feels like he's a player who's gotten a lot of yellows this season so far. So yeah, I'm five, hoping. as it turns out. Well, <laughs> well in, five. in the Premier League, right? Yeah, like, five, say, yeah, five in the league. Right. So yeah, it's uh, he should probably make some adjustments in his play style. I, I would think, but something, nah. even small ones. But no, I don't. I don't think you're going to no? see a lot of that. I, in some ways, in more ways than we expected, he may end up being sort of the new Jaka. You know, how many of these yellows are just wrong place, wrong time? Yeah. Um, in terms of the referee's opinion, I mean, how many of them are, you know, that you, uh, when you're playing, there are some guys that when they're playing well, they do play with a bit of an edge, and some games that's going to come back to bite them. I mean, the problem yeah. I really see with us isn't so much Havertz picking up yellows and missing games, it's having a midfielder miss a game during a period in which our, our, our midfield is through injuries and other things a bit thin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jorginho was out for this game. On the, I don't know. And then he's only recently healthy, and you know, I couldn't trust him to play a lot of games. Declan Rice is playing a lot of games, which he'll keep doing. He's he's got he's an energizer buddy. He just keeps going, going, <laughs> going. Um, you know, we have him, you know, Smith Rowe coming back, and of course, he hasn't had a lot of playing time lately. So I think we have options. Obviously, Thomas Party is the big loss. Um, we're not going to see him until January the earliest. Maybe not even until February, pretending pending the the Africa Cup of Nations, right? But we'll see how that. Yeah, so that's that's sort of the frustrating thing is not so much. Oh, the, oh, it's not that I really want Havertz to play against West Ham. It's just all right. Who is going to play midfield? Right. Well, yeah, uh, I guess we'll have to wait a week or so to find out. <laughs> well, thankfully, yes. As it turns out, we will get a whole week to wait, which is kind of nice. Right. <laughs> a little little padding in the schedule. So uh, anything else you want to discuss about the first half before we move on? Um, I guess we can talk about this a little bit now. Is it just me or does the field seem kind of slippery? Yes. Uh, I, yeah, I noted slip sliding away. Um, yeah, I, I, at least a half dozen different players I saw the entire time. I noticed, I think it was not long after the um, halftime break, um, Jesus, the back of his shirt was like wet, like had droplets on it. It it never looked like it was raining. I don't know if they just over watered. I know we've talked before about sometimes some teams will water the pitch more to make the ball go faster. Um, I don't think they would do that against Arsenal, though. Usually they do the opposite against Arsenal to slow the ball down, right? Well, Liverpool doesn't mind a fast track, but but it, it did strike me. I, I thought I saw somewhere that it rained a lot in, in England yesterday. Okay. I don't actually know. But but in a sense, and I don't think, I, I suspect this wasn't the sense of gamesmanship. You don't, you don't want players slipping. And, and groundskeepers are pretty good. If they're, if they're watering the pitch for it to be, you know, to, for it to be a fast track, 
they know, especially a place like Liverpool, which, you know, Liverpool is the kind of club that has the, the, the resources, the time, the, the infrastructure to, to it, they know how to make the field fast without making it slippery. Um, mm-hmm. So I, my suspicion is this was more, or it, I don't want to say weather related, but or at least just there were some difficulties. That, I don't think this was intentional because Liverpool players were slipping too. And okay. we'll talk about this in the second half or when we deal with the second half. I think arguably it cost them their greatest opportunity as it turns Interesting. out. So I, don't know if, I don't know if I noticed that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a good teaser as any. So uh, I don't know about you, but when I'm all sweated up and looking for something to quench my thirst, I've been reaching for a stick of liquid IV, which, as listeners may remember, uh, is the category winning hydration brands fueling your well-being. And their hydration multiplier, of course, is the one product you're missing in your daily routine in just one stick. And when they say stick, it's a little stick shaped packet about six, seven inches tall, tear it off and pour it into 16 ounces of water and you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration with water alone. You can use it first thing in the morning before a workout, when you feel run down after a long night out and on long flights. It does contain five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, and is always made with premium ingredients. I personally love that it tastes great without any aftertaste. Um, it's convenient to take with me. I can stick it in a bag and worry about the water when I need it or have a water bottle ready. It's just cold. I like it cold. Um, but other than that, that's uh, ready to be poured into. Um, and uh, my favorite flavor, until you hear otherwise, is still strawberry lemonade. Um so if that sounds good to you and you want to up your hydration game, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Gooner at checkout. That is G-O-O-N-E-R at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Gooner at liquidiv.com. There's also a link in our show notes or description to make it easier on you. Code Gooner. There is no you in Gooner. <laughs> so the second half... Um, yeah, it was uh, a lot of yellow cards were thrown around for one thing. Yeah, there were. I mean, I guess my 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 thought on the yellows is more that I just it, it felt, and I don't want to turn this into refereeing because I don't think the refereeing had a material impact on the game. I thought you know the result was fair. I don't think anything was necessarily changed. Although we can talk about the refereeing decision we didn't mention which was the penalty not given. We forgot to mention that. That's but true. We'll, yes. we'll, we'll segue into that by talking about the officiating. That was very inconsistent. And, and there are some times where, you know, players, you know, the, you know, the officials, sometimes yellows are a game management tool, sometimes a foul that doesn't look particularly serious, but because of when it occurs or where it is on the field, it winds up looking looking worse. So we see this a lot with shirt tugs. And, you know, is it a shirt tug foul or is it a tactical foul, right? Break a cynical break up a counterattack kind of play. And that one can be a deserved yellow. I just thought there was really kind of a lot of inconsistency when yellows were getting tossed out. Some of them were, again, I, you know, I don't think it changed the game necessarily, but it was, it was just sort of, there are times it was hard to see what exactly was going on. And both teams were clearly very frustrated by that. And, you know, just the home crowd have an impact on that. Maybe, probably we've talked about Anfield, of course, mm-hmm. you know, and there are studies that show that home teams tend to get more calls. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. But, you know, there were some, the only one I was particularly um, bemused by, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, the 
it, it involved a, a foul near midfield, and I think it was Asaka had committed a foul, or maybe it slipped into someone in the foul, and uh, Virgil van Dijk, who's, who's Liverpool's captain, came over, and I don't know what you saw. What I saw was him doing this pantomime, and I clearly saw the word drinking coming out of his mouth, at least in terms of his... And I, I hmm. Did he ask the ref if he was drinking and went about making a call? I don't know. It was very weird. Um, I did not notice that. <laughs> I, only because it feels like the sort of thing, like, that's isn't that a yellow? Isn't that a card? That kind of descent. Yeah. Um, there was a play where I think a Liverpool player did get booked for, like... It might have been Salah who got booked. Um, you know, he has a foul to break up the play, but there wasn't much in it. But I think he kind of, you know, said something, hand in the air, oh, yeah. what is that? And, you know, uh-uh, descent. <laughs> he so, looked agitated, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, again, I don't know. I just don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think it was, I don't want to say the game was poorly officiated, but it was a certain inconsistency that I found very kind of, like, it was just, you know, in the midst of the game, it drives you crazy, of course, because there's the fouls that you feel, the, the only, you only see the ones that don't get called on, uh, you know, mm-hmm. against us, right? Or the ones that we do, like, but you just missed that on mm-hmm. the other end, and you step back <laughs> and sort of say, okay, maybe that was, um, you know, top, you know, okay, maybe that was the way it should have been, but you know that that kind. It's a weird kind of inconsistency that it creates, and it's just a, yeah. you know, a general frustration. Again, I don't want to talk too much of the referees. Yeah, you know, they they were they were not the reason this game ended in a draw, but right. there was that. Except it seems they got one of the big calls. We skipped this. We mentioned back in the first half the penalty yeah. that wasn't given uh, based on the ball hitting Martin Odegaard's hand. What did you think about that? Well, it's. So in this case, I believe because he was a defending player that it being in a natural position matters. And I think it's a question of whether that's a natural position because he was like kind of falling over. And I think his hand was down. Now, it wasn't at his Mm -hmm. side because his body was at an angle, but it was just being held down by gravity. Like I would call that a natural position. I if <laughs> now of course if it had happened to another player would I be pissed that uh handball wasn't called probably but I think I see where they were coming from in not calling it or not reversing the non-call. Right and I think that that's the thing that's going to sort of make it you know if you're a Liverpool fan you're going to feel aggrieved and we've been on the other end of those how was that not called situations or how does that happen you know I, I <sighs> I think we got lucky. I, I I agree with you. I see the call that's being made. He's obviously stumbling. The hand is out to brace himself and not being made. It's not there to make himself bigger. It's not there to get in the way of the ball. But mm-hmm. <laughs> we got uh, we were a little fortunate there. Um, you know, again, I, I'm not the most fortunate in the game, but I think we were. I, I would have had a hard time arguing against it had they given that penalty. Now, and again, I think this is what the sort of points out, and 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 as critical as we are about the officiating, you and I saw the same play, heard the explanations, and we're coming to slightly different mm-hmm. conclusions about it. And there is a difficulty. There's a judgment call inherent in all of these things, as much as we want them to be explicitly cut and dry they just aren't and that's you know and it, it is some of the difficulty of the game doesn't mean the officiating can't be better <laughs> but there yeah. are some difficulties and we it's easy to focus on 
we get so outraged by the bad cases because there are some of these edge cases where you go, okay, I understand. I don't like it, but I understand. Or, whew, dodged a bullet there, which I think is, that's how I feel still in the aftermath of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that wasn't the only bullet that we would dodge in this match, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I have never seen a five-on-one. I've never seen it. That's why I love watching sports. Every time I watch, I'm going to see something I've never seen before. I've never seen a five on one, but (laughs) oh my God, (laughs) that was happening. I can't imagine how badly Alex, it's Trent Alexander Arnold. Uh Trent is the first name. I can't imagine how badly he's beating himself up over blowing that. And I think that was a not a not a big one, but just a little bit of a slip on your plant foot, and huh. the ball goes into. I, that's where I think the we talk about the wet pitch. I think yeah. that's that's where that was. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that. That that could explain it because yeah, otherwise it's a huge choke. Well, so so what you are seeing a little bit is. And we see this a lot of times where players blast the ball into the stands, right? You think, how did they miss from there? A lot of that has to do with their physical body positioning. And I'm sure you've seen some of this, right? Ideally, you are, you know, on top of the ball. Right. Kick knee it. over the ball is what Mike uh, had said. Uh, right. Knee over the ball season, yeah. or is center, is center of your body close to it. But so many times, because of the way people plant and swing, you end up be leaning back. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get under the ball rather than behind it. And it can just take a little slip. You know, with yeah. your front on your plant foot, for example, you know, a little slip on the front plant foot, and you're leaning back when you actually make contact, and the ball goes into the second deck rather than on goal. And so, yeah, whew. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Um, but yeah, you know, and I thought we we sort of talked about this. We let off well. We played well in the first. 10, 15 minutes. Obviously, we got the goal. A lot of good play there. I thought we were better. We were the better team probably for the last 10 to 15 minutes. Which but, yeah, is that, our... That's definitely our MO. <laughs> yeah, but then there, was that middle se- and then there was that middle section where I think for... Not all of it, but definitely for stretches, Liverpool was definitely better and more dangerous. It was their kind of game. But again, they, you know, just... It, it, really good kind of back and forth game between title contenders. And that's mm-hmm. what we both are. Um, yeah. You know, it, I, mean, I already saw this line coming out afterwards. Well, City is the real winner here. Okay, fine. But both of these teams, you know, Liverpool has a draw with them. We have a win. Like, neither of us is going to be afraid of them head to head. Now, are we about to hit that stretch where City's going to win 20 in a row? Yeah, probably. But, you know... City, by the way, was off uh, this week. They they did not play their game because they were busy in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, winning the Club World Cup. So, right. congrats, I guess. They did win? They won. They beat uh, okay. Fluminense of, of Brazil. Um, Interesting. So, so wait, well, I don't want to derail us too badly, but we talked mm-hmm. before about how the Brazilian league is never usually anything to write home about, that their national team is really good, but the best Brazilian players usually end up in international clubs, but they're one of their clubs actually made it to the final in the club world cup. Well, remember that at this point, this is the last one of these, but to this point, the club world cup has always been for uh, just simply the, the most recent champions of each continent's champions league equivalent. Right. Uh, and the way the tournament is structured is 
it's actually a, it's actually I'll tell more of a ladder bracket. So the the European and the South American champions actually don't play that they don't play until the semifinals. So they're only going to play two games, um, and they get matched up with uh, an African or North American champ who's had to win once or twice to get to that game. Um, so City shows up that you know they're going to show up pl- and play. I think they played uh, the. Uh, I, don't almost don't want to bother looking it up, but they played like the Asian champion. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know Fluminense beat uh, Club Leon, who's the you know the winner out of Concacaf. Um, see, I now I did I looked it up. Uh, the, uh, Manchester City beat beat Urawa Red Diamonds out of Japan, huh. who was the I believe the uh, uh, yes they were the uh, winner of the AFC Champions League, um, and then they and. Uh, Fluminense, who won the Copa Libertadores, uh, the continent, South American Continental Championship, almost always is the the Club World Cup final been Europe versus South America. So, in a sense, is the Brazilian league anything to write home about? Not really compared to the top five, but they're a heck of a lot better than, you know, the J League or Liga MX. And, okay. <laughs> um, is probably the best way to think about that. Okay. That's, that's a good frame of reference. Okay. Anyway, so 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 back back to Liverpool. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, back to Liverpool. Liverpool. Oh. <laughs> wrong, wrong dialect. Thanks, uh, Paul. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I, I guess I don't have too much more to talk about for this match. Um, do you? Before we go to Player of the Week, um, in a vacuum, I think just to say. This is, I don't want to say it's the best possible result. I think this is a game we could have won. And, you know, if we wind up missing out on the title by a point, it's going to feel like a bad point dropped. But it's hard to, it's hard to feel that way, given we get, you know, given we outpoint at Anfield, which is more than most teams can say. Yeah. Um, they still have to come to the Emirates where we, we've been better uh, than most right. than much of our, comp- than our competition. Um, you know, a point against a title contender. You know, the, there are going to be plenty of opportunities for us to rack up points. It's, I, mean, I mean, yes, I would like to get a win there because, as they point out, it's been like 12 years or something since we've won there. Mikel Arteta <laughs> played in that game. Oh, okay. <laughs> which, you know, now just makes me feel old because, of course, I remember that one. Uh, I realized it was 12 <laughs> years ago. Uh, they kept mentioning Ar- Andre Arshavin scored four goals once there, which uh. was cool, but also, again, how long <laughs> That was, and I'm like, no, I, I remember that game. Yeah. I remember watching it at least. Um, we've had some wild ones with Liverpool over the years, so yeah. <laughs> so who's I'll take your... the draw. I'll take <laughs> yeah. the draw. Who's your player of the match? Um, I'm going to go collectively. I want to say collectively the center backs, and I mean this for both teams. Okay. I have to say, um, you know, talk just briefly about Liverpool's Virgil van Dijk is, you know, is arguably the best center back in the world. He's an excellent player. He's maybe a step off from where he was just a couple of years ago, um, but still very good. Uh, Ibrahim Kunyate was their other. So one of the things coming into this game was talking about the matchups. We talked about Zinchenko and Salah and how that makes us all a little nervous. From Liverpool's perspective, Gabriel Martinelli has roasted Trent Alexander-Arnold, who is a very similar player to Zinchenko in that his skills are more forward-based than they are defensively, Mm -hmm. and he has had great difficulty with Martinelli over the the last several years. 
But I noticed it seemed like when he was when, when Martinelli was cutting in, it wasn't Alexander Arnold he was going up against. Hmm. It was Kayate who did a very good job with him. Um, right. I don't think Martinelli had a particularly great game um, no. necessarily, but some of that is Kayate. Yeah, interesting. Really well. yeah. I would also say though, on our end, I mean, yes, I'm not in love with the job that obviously we talked about. Sinchenko had another bad giveaway, which also almost led to a goal. Uh, we talked about the solid goal. Uh, ben White, I didn't think was anything special today, but um, if Virgil van Dijk isn't the best center back in the Premier League, William Saliba is. Mm-hmm. You know, here's your William Saliba appreciation moment. He was excellent. And Gabriel was very good today as well. Um, got the goal. Obviously, it's a big one. So I, I can... I, I feel like all the center backs... And, you know, obviously Declan Rice was good, as he usually is. But I feel like collectively on both sides... And, and a shout-out to Liverpool as well on this one. I thought collectively the four of them were overall the best players on the field. I didn't... You know, Raya and Alisson didn't really... Weren't really tested a lot. Didn't have to make a lot of great saves. And they're both very... You know, Alisson's a very good keeper, so... Yeah. So if you had to pick between Gabriel and Saliba... Um, I'll take Gabby. He got the goal. Okay, I'll give Gabby the goal. But you know, Saliba was Saliba is, is would be a perfectly good shout. Um, yeah, yeah. I my mind was there too. Um, I ended up I ended up settling on Gabriel also, not just because of the goal, but because he's had enough good stuff going on in a bunch of games where maybe there are other players who I picked more. So kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In recognition of that and his contributions this match, yeah, uh, he gets it from me. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, what is coming up next week? So, next week, um, the festive fixtures. It's such a weird one. Typically, of course, we play on Boxing Day. That yeah. being the day after Christmas, the 26th. We are not doing that this year. We're actually not playing a game until Thursday. We're home against West Ham. Which is weird because that's now basically a week between games, which doesn't feel that unusual at all. When we talk about the, the festive fixtures, as they're called, is usually mm-hmm. a period of congestion. Here we are getting essentially a week off before our next <laughs> game. Uh, but then the games come fast again, uh, Thursday against West Ham, and then Sunday, New Year's Eve, we close out uh, 2023 in a London derby at Fulham. So, mm. um, all right. And then, of course, just because... Um, you know, we, I don't know if we will get to talk necessarily before that, but then a week from that, we get a week off from that, and then the seventh uh, is the third round of the FA Cup at home against, wait for it, Liverpool. At home, though. Uh, at home. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's at home this time. So, yeah. and and the reverse fixture, weirdly, a month later. But anyway, that's, that's a conversation for later in January. But yes, yeah, so uh, West Ham at home at Fulham to close out the calendar year and to take us to uh, the halfway point of the season. Mm-hmm. We aren't there already. I'm struggling to do the math. I think we are. Uh, no, I think actually the West Ham game is actually the is halfway is our is our 19th fixture. So okay, we're halfway there. Nice. Well, thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and some other places, including YouTube. And we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing with friends. If you want to give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, uh, we, we would appreciate it, of course. Um, if you are watching on YouTube, uh, please like and subscribe. To support the show even more, you can become a Gooner U superfan for ad-free episodes, bootleg recordings, and bonus segments and episodes. It's only a dollar a month, and there's a link in the show notes to join. 
Again, thanks to our sponsor, Liquid IV. You can find them with our special link in the description. You can follow our show on Twitter at GunerU Show for updates and to ask questions. Again, my name is Dove. You can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Merry Christmas, everyone, or Happy Christmas. <laughs>